Okay, thank you very much. I appreciate the, uh, the kind words of introduction, and um, we'll try to keep on the, uh, on the schedule. Um, the topic of uh, this morning's um, shear or lecture um, is uh, going through the tshuva process, I guess, or preparing for the Yom Naraim, uh, based on the, uh, the wisdom, I guess, and the contributions um, of the Rambam. So my uh, goal today is really to accomplish um, two things, which um, complement each other um, always, and in this particular topic, um, particularly so. Number one, to discuss uh, a few specific issues um, that the Rambam addresses um, in Hilchos Tshuva, um, in the context of repentance, that are both innovative and actually uh, transforming, um, and at the same time, to uh, use this as a way of projecting the Rambam's contribution in a broader way. Um, in many respects, what I'm about to you know, um, speak about is typical of the Rambam's uh, treatment, especially in his magnum opus, uh, the Yad HaKazaka, um, about all topics um, of Jewish law. So obviously that's a very big agenda. We only have you know, limited time because there's an excellent uh, presentation coming you know, after mine. I'm just warming up for uh, Professor Rosenzweig, um, whose work I've followed for many years and uh, greatly enjoyed. Um, so as such, we'll try in the limited time that we have um, at least to speak about um, some of these um, dimensions. So um, let me begin like, in the following way. Um, firstly, it should be noted you know, that the Rambam, and of course we're doing this in conjunction with the exhibit and the uh, museum, which is um, highlighting you know, some of the manuscripts of the Rambam and his enormous um, contribution. So let's begin by stating the obvious, which is the Rambam was the first to codify the entirety of Jewish law, um, including the areas that are not um, necessarily practiced, you know, in our time. Uh, the areas of Jewish law that are connected to the Beit HaMikdash, um, some of them that are connected to life in Eretz Yisrael, but under very particular uh, circumstances. What we normally speak of in terms of the Shisha Sidre Mishnah, the six categories of the Mishnah, uh, we speak about, you know, Zra'im and Kadshim and Taharos, um, these are areas which uh, apply only in very uh, you know, specific circumstances. We all yearn uh, in the future for the time when we'll be able to um, implement the entirety of Jewish law. Um, but these, as I say, right now, these are areas of abstract interest, great abstract interest. The values that they reflect are always relevant. They're all, as my great uh, Rebbe, Rav Soloveitchik, used to say, they all come under the rubric of Chefzah Shel Torah, studying them, is no less important than studying uh, the laws of Yom Kippur and the laws of Rosh Hashanah that are upon us. Uh, but at the same time, these are much more challenging areas of, of Jewish law precisely because they weren't practiced in all times. And uh, until the Rambam came around, they were very unruly because the Shas, the Talmud, you know, is written uh, not always in a systematized and organized fashion. Um, the laws are strewn all over the place. Um, you have to really cover the entirety of it in order to, you know, um, be able to draw a comprehensive portrait and picture. The Rambam's encyclopedic knowledge um, of Jewish law and his uh, personal genius in knowing how to 
um, organize and systematize, you know, seeing the interrelationships between all of them, uh, produced his uh, magnificent Yada Chazaka, um, along with the other contributions, uh, Pirush Mishnayis, his commentary on the Mishnah, his Sefer Mitzvos, of course, his Mordebuchim, letters, um, and so on and so forth. But we'll zero in mostly on the Yada Chazaka, which is just a, you know, a colossal work. Um, and through the Rambam, we have a full presentation. There are those who disagree with some of the specifics, some of his rulings, um, that triggered uh, Torah study, you know, for centuries, you know, since his time. Rambam commentary is a massive enterprise, but the entirety of Zroim, Kodshim, Taros, was made uh, eminently more accessible by the Rambam. However, we um, appreciate sometimes less his contributions to the areas of Jewish law that are more familiar to us um, and that we encounter every single day. Uh, those, of course, covered in the other areas um, of the Mishnah, um, the themes of, you know, what, what the Rambam calls Sefer Zmanim, but we call Moed and Nashim and Ezekim, laws that have to do with, you know, every day and the holidays, laws that have to do with marriage and divorce, um, and so on, as well as uh, civil law. These are laws that have, you know, been applied, you know, throughout the centuries. But again, until the Rambam came along and systemized all of them and integrated um, Zroim, Kachim, Taros with Moed, Nashim, and Ezekin, that added an element, a qualitative element in terms of the comprehensiveness and the interrelationship of various um, disciplines of the halakha that was completely transformative. I always like to say, by way of introduction, and this uh, needs to be elaborated much more, you know, that in some respects, the Rambam, um, like other great classicists, you know, is a bit of a victim, you know, of his own success. Uh, the Rambam's impact is so transformative that anybody who lived after the Rambam had to relate to everything that he wrote. Um, and that's why there's so much commentary on the Rambam and his, you know, um, interesting, intriguing positions triggered so much discussion. We're going to discuss two of them in just a moment to exemplify this. Um, so on the one hand, there's great uh, awareness of the Rambam's innovations. But when it comes to the Rambam's more subtle contributions, namely his presentation of the comprehensiveness of Jewish law and implicitly its interrelationship, the Rambam's decision, his editorial decisions, you know, how to organize Jewish law, what to put in what chapter, when to create, um, you know, a chapter heading. These are all very subtle things. And because he was the first and because he did such a magnificent um, job of it, you know, we tend to, you know, take for granted. We live in a post-Rambam world, and it's difficult sometimes to extricate ourselves from his enormous impact to appreciate more uh, precisely what his contribution was. In that sense, um, as I said earlier, he was a victim in some respects of his own success. Because he is so accepted and because his impact is just so incalculable, sometimes we don't fully appreciate the more subtle aspects of his impact. And that is even more true in the areas of Jewish law, as I say, that are more accessible, where you know we had some earlier, you know, um, Gaonic tracts on laws of Yerusha, uh, on the laws of Kinyanim, 
uh, on certain areas, you know, in Moed and, and in Orachayim, more broadly, um, if we were to compare the previous, um, you know, legacy of the Gaonim, for example, with the contributions of the Rambam, you know, only then would we fully appreciate um, his contribution. So what I'd like to do is just take two, or if I can, I'll do three, um, but very quickly, um, two themes in Hilchos Tshuva, where the Rambam uh, has a very intriguing um, perspective, and to use that to highlight um, his broader impact um, and his broader contribution. Okay, so let's begin with um, one point. I'm going to take, you know, uh, the end of the Rambam of Hilchas Tshuva, and I'm going to take the beginning of the Rambam of Hilchas Tshuva um, as a symbolic way of saying that, you know, from the first halacha till the last halacha, uh, the Rambam's explicit and his implicit contributions um, are just really um, astonishing, um, and they are, as I say, transformative, and they really impact the way that we look at all of Jewish law, in this case, Hilchas Tshuva. So again, just uh, one more moment of introduction before we get to the substance, and that is that, again, prior to the Rambam, there was no systematic Hilchas Tshuva. Hilchas Tshuva is a topic, the idea of repentance, of course, is um, organic, endemic to you know, life and to law, and especially to Jewish law. Uh, the halacha is about norms, and it's about living uh, a disciplined life, uh, defined by, you know, the Torah's um, commandments and the rabbinic embellishments thereof. Um, and, of course, uh, it, the violations or the infractions of the law are, are an issue that have to be contended with. If a person is chote, if he violates the law, you know, how does he restore his relationship with the Rabboni Shalom? What are the implications of that in terms of kapara, atonement? There needs to be hilchas tshuva. And in Chazal... And in the vast literature, the Mishnah, the Gemara, uh, the Medrash, and uh, subsequently the world of the Gaonim, etc., there's an enormous literature about tshuva. But the Rambam was the first to organize and systematize a Hilchos tshuva. And um, symptomatic of what I said before, once he did that, there was no going back. There's no discussion of Hilchos tshuva by anyone that doesn't have to relate to the Rambam's um, comprehensive presentation, as well as his positions on Hilchus Tshuva. There are those who disagreed. There were important works on Hilchus Tshuva that followed the Rambam, uh, most notably the Shari Tshuva of Rabbeinu Yonah, but also the Chibor HaTshuva of the Me'iri. Um, each of these are, you know, topics, and we don't have time to go into them. Uh, the Drosh Saran has several um, chapters dedicated to Tshuva. Much later, the uh, Mabit, wrote a sefer called Beit's Elohim, in which he has um, very important insights in tshuva, uh, and so on and so forth, until our own time. Rav Soloveitchik's uh, lectures on tshuva are very well known. In recent years, uh, they've started to you know, publish some of the lectures of my other great Rebbe, Rav Aaron Lichtenstein, um, Zatzal, Rav Kuk has, you know, discussions of Hilchas tshuva. But there is no discussion of Hilchas tshuva that doesn't have to relate to and doesn't in some way reflect the contributions um, of the Rambam. Till the Rambam, there was no such thing as a Hilchos Tshuva. There were laws of Tshuva. The Rambam scoured the Shas and the Medrash, um, and he applied his own deep understanding, and in some cases on the basis of his um, very strong conviction 
he formulated Hilchos Tshuva. But more than that, the Rambam made a decision, since he's the first to systematize Hilchos Tshuva, where to locate Hilchos Tshuva. And again, it's unappreciated because we live in a post-Rambam world, but sometimes, as my great, other great mentor, Dr. Chaim Soloveitchik, um, has often pointed out, to appreciate the contribution of a great man, you know, you have to go back to what existed before, um, and only on the basis of that can you assess, you know, what he has contributed. And before the Rambam, there was no Hilchus Tshuva, so when the Rambam initiated the category, you know, the classification of Hilchus Tshuva, he had to decide where to put it. He could have put it in Hilchos Shkogos, you know, in the world of Karbonos, um, uh, Brahmam has two, you know, of his 14 works, Sefer Avoda and Sefer Karbonos. Uh, in Sefer Karbonos, he has Hilchos Shkogos, people who err and they violate. Uh, that would have been a very natural place for the Rambam to locate Hilchos Tshuva. Or he could have done what the Shulchan Aruch does, and that is he could have integrated Hilchos Tshuva with the laws of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and Elul, this period, last night we said Slichos for the first time, or some said this morning early Slichos. Um, this is the period in which Tshuva is particularly acute. This is the period of time for Tshuva. And the Rambam very easily, as the Shulchan Aruch later did, the Torah in Shulchan Aruch, could have put Hilchos Tshuva you know, right into Hilchos Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Instead, the Rambam remarkably decided that it should be part of the first book uh, of the Yad HaZaka, Sefer Mada, which for him is kind of the interface between philosophy and halacha, begins with Hilchos Yisodei HaTorah, Kishmam Kainheim, the laws that relate to the pillars, you know, the principles, um, the philosophical principles of Jewish law, beginning with belief in God, his unity, the obligation to love him, to fear him, etc., etc., where the Rambam develops next Hilchos Deos, the way cultivate cultivation of a religious personality, Hilchos Abodazara, Hilchos Talmud Torah. This is what Sefer Mada is all about. And the Rambam chose to locate Hilchos Tshuva in Sefer Mada and to conclude, actually, Sefer Mada with Hilchos Tshuva. That decision speaks volumes about how the Rambam understood the process of tshuva, as I will explain. So what I'd like to do is illustrate all of this um, by examining, if I have chance, two very important issues. Let's begin with the first. The Gemar Masechet Yoma, um, you have these in the Marmakomas in front of you, um, has a very remarkable um, discussion about there being different motivations for tshuva and that having impact on the effect of the tshuva. The Gemara says, if you go to the first Mar Mokom, Talmud Bavli Pei Baba Aleph, Rami, Rabbi Chama rather, Chanina Rami, Ksiv Shuvu Banim Shovim, Dimi Kara Shovim Atem, Ksiv Erpam Shuvosechem, Lokasha, Kan Mi Ava, Kan Mi Yur. The Gemara makes a distinction between repentance out of fear, out of anxiety, your you know, life is in the balance, especially at this time of year. The Rabboni Sholem is, you know, he's uh, judging you, he's weighing, you know, the totality of your worthiness, you know, to, um, to continue. And um, what the Gemara is telling us is, if you repent out of fear, that's one kind of repentance. If you do it out of love, 
even if you're motivated, you know, by examining, you know, your, you know, religious profile and you're concerned about your future, but if that triggers a greater appreciation of the role of God in our lives and especially, uh, you know, uh, engenders a sense of purpose, you know, which connects us more deeply with the opportunity to live a purposeful life by being Ovdeh Hashem, by following the dictates of the halacha. So that is called tshuva me'ava, repentance out of love. And the Ramam says those are different. And the Gemara says those are different. What's fascinating is the Gemara then continues on the next page, pay bavmud beis, skip a couple of marmakomos, since we don't have so much time. Amar reish lakish, gedola tshuva, shezdonos, nasas lo kishkagos, shenemar tshuva yisrael al hasham alokecha, ki kashalta bavonecha, ha'avon mezidhu, v'kakarele mikshal. The Torah uses an expression which implies an accident when really the person violated intentionally. Uh, and then the Gemara says, Aini, but we have another statement of Reish Lakish, Amar Reish Lakish, Gedola Tshuva Shezdonos Nasek Kizguyos. That uh, Tshuva is so uh, great, its impact is so enormous, that it takes sins that were done intentionally, and it transforms them into Zguyos, into merits. Shenemar, Ubeshuv Rashami Rishaso, Biasam Bishpatu Tzdaka Lehem, etc. Lokasha, says the Gemara. It seems like it's a contradiction, First, we said that, you know, if you uh, do tshuva in a certain manner, you can take intentional sins and turn them into accidental ones. Now we're saying that they actually turn into merits, which is a very remarkable statement. Lokasha, kan mi'ava, kan mi'yira. The Gemara says, if you do tshuva mi'yira, then the impact of your repentance is to transform the original infraction as if it were an accident. In light of the tshuva that you're doing, we see the whole thing in the bigger picture, drawing a circle you know, around what you did, but also who you now are is reflected, who you, you know, had potential to be. It, it's all accidental. That's how we perceive it. However, if you do tshuva me'ava out of love, out of, you know, you're, you're impelled by the you know, yearning to have a certain kind of relationship with the Rabbana Shalom and live a certain way, then actually your sins turn into merits. That's the Gemara here. It's one of the most quoted, oft-quoted Gemaras um, about tshuva, and understandably so. Uh, all of us would love if our infractions could be turned into merits, um, and all of us are, you know, understandably astounded. Uh, what does the Gemara mean that, you know, somebody was uh, transgressing the halacha, and all of a sudden that becomes not a demerit, you know, but a merit, counts uh, in his benefit. We have a principle in the halacha, a very logical principle, shelo yehei chote niskar. If a person is a sinner, if he transgresses, he shouldn't be rewarded for his transgression. He shouldn't be rewarded for his transgression. Um, what do we even mean, you know, when we speak about tshuva me'ava, transforming sins into merits. If you look at the marsha, for example, I'm not going to read uh, some of these inside, but you can take them with you, you know, for homework, as they say. Uh, the marsha asks this question. He says, it's one thing to say that a sin done intentionally is transformed into an um, accident. Because we're saying, you know what? In light of who you prove to be by your capacity to do uh, tshuva, to do repentance, there must have been extenuating circumstances that led you astray, meaning the, the perspective on what is considered to be an accidental sin, what is an intentional sin, is more flexible when you take a bigger picture about people's uh, conduct 
and behavior and motivations, etc. But the idea that sin can turn into a merit is uh, simply um, radical. It's very astonishing. And if you look at the Marmacomos here on the first page, um, I put down the Marsha, the Eitz Yosef, the Yom Trua, um, the Avnei Miluim, uh, and his Hakdama. These are all different. Uh, the Svasemes, the Karim, the Kliakar, you can look them all up. They're all different suggestions how to solve this problem, how to explain the phenomenon of Chuva Me'aba Nasa Kizkuyas. Something that we're all happy about, but we're all more than puzzled about as well. In other words, objectively, uh, this notion of Chuva Me'aba turning into merits is a very difficult concept to comprehend. On the other hand, it's maybe the most appealing, it's the, um, it represents you know, the crescendo, let's say, of the impact of tshuva. And it's, uh, as I say, for that reason, a very popular statement. Reb Chaim uh, Mibalajin, in his famous Nefesh HaKayim, suggests that the um, tshuva repentance of Elul and the Yom Naraim um, is accomplished through, uh, among other things, Torah study. Um, and it is particularly conducive to tshuva me'ava, repentance out of love, and uh, which is Nasa Kizkuyas. He said, this is the period of year of the year for Tshuva Me'ava. It's a very popular um, perspective on Tshuva. What's astonishing is that the Rambam omits, seemingly omits it entirely. I mean, here the Rambam basically catapulted Hilchos Tshuva by creating and systematizing Hilchos Tshuva, by scouring, you know, all of Chazal to put together the mental energy that you know went into not just Hilchas Tshuva, but everything the Rambam wrote. But Hilchas Tshuva being an example, you know, to take uh, statements from all over the Shas, you have to have an encyclopedic mastery of all the material. <laughs> That's already a very remarkable thing. Then you have to have, you know, the ability, you know, to imagine, you know, how the various pieces fit into each other. Um, and the organization has ten chapters of Hilchas Tshuva that culminates Sefer Mada. Um, it's the most comprehensive, you know, collection of the laws of tshuva, and therefore the omission of maybe the highest level of tshuva and the most challenging, you know, um, perspective on tshuva, most appealing and challenging at the same time, tshuva me'ava. The omission of that is shocking. After all, that's what the Rambam did. He made even, you know, uh, sources, you know, which are more obscure. You know, he made them accessible. And then he took this accessible source in the end of Masachat Yoma, which pops out of the page, you know, and um, he omitted it completely. And that is obviously shocking. However, that's the culmination of Hilchus Tshuva um, in Masachat Yoma. What I'd like to suggest is that the Rambam um, actually not only related to um, and didn't ignore the concept of tshuva me'ava, but actually he catapulted it further in his presentation. You know, the I have a you know kind of saying, uh, you know, which I think is true, and that is that not always true, but sometimes it's true. And that is when you multiply multiply anomalies, you sometimes find a solution. Um, sometimes you have a very you know uh, great difficulty, you know, with understanding a text, understanding. A, the position of a great authority. Um, and then when you investigate, you find out there's something else that's peculiar. And, you know, in a, in a perfect world, I guess, 
you know, one anomaly, one peculiarity, you know, might uh, shed light, illuminate, you know, the other. So the Rambam in Hilchos Tshuva mostly speaks about repentance, you know, as we typically understand it. A person violated, you know, he sinned, and he has to find his way back. He has to restore his relationship. He has to neutralize the impact of his infraction. That's how the Rambam begins Hilchos Tshuva. We'll talk about that in a moment. And that's how, you know, he speaks about um, repentance throughout. However, there are sections in the Rambam's 10 chapters of Hilchas Tshuva in which the word tshuva, repentance, and sin are completely absent. For example, in the beginning of the fifth chapter of Hilchas Tshuva, the Rambam speaks about mechirachavshis, free will. And the idea that without absent free will, there is, of course, no reward and punishment. There's no responsibility. People would be you know, automatons, they would be robotic, their lives would be, you know, meaningless. And therefore, smack in the middle of Hilchas Tshuva, for sure, intentionally, as if to say, the linchpin of understanding what I've written about in the first chapters, the four chapters, and what I'm going to write about, you know, from chapter 6 to chapter 10, is to understand that man has free will. And that as such, we appeal to him, you know, uh, in a volitional way, you know, to take steps, you know, to... Um, you know, establish a constructive relationship, you know, with the with the Rabona Shalola. In that point, the Ram does speak about Hoschuva, but of course it's the linchpin to the concept of sin, repentance, accountability, etc. Uh, even more so, the last chapter, chapter 10 of Hilchos Tshuva, the word Tshuva doesn't appear at all. If you're writing, and especially if you're creating a comprehensive systematic a presentation of Hilchos Tshuva, how could you conclude the book? And it's not just the conclusion of the book. It's the conclusion of all Sefer Mada. How could you conclude that without speaking about Tshuva? What does the Rambam speak about? So if you look here on page two, uh, Perek Yud Halacha Aleph, Al Yomar Adam Hareni Osa Mitzvah Satorav Yosek Bechach Masa. A person shouldn't say, I'm going to Live according to the laws of the Torah. I'm going to study Torah. Kadesha akabel kedesha In order to gain the benefits and the rewards, the Torah, and I'll avoid the punishments. The Ramam goes on to say that that is under the rubric of avoda meyira. That's called, you know, being uh, loyal to Jewish law out of fear. And for pragmatic reasons, you want to gain something for you. you want to avoid punishment and you want to accomplish reward. However, says the Rambam, towards the end of that first piece, Ain Ovdim Hashem al The goal is to serve God out of love. He's not speaking about Chuba here, he's talking about Avodah Hashem. And then he explains in Allah Chabes, Oved Me'ava, person who uh, uh, serves Hashem out of love. Oseik b'tor b'mitzvahs v'holech b'nesivas ha'chachma, lo m'pnei davar ba'olam lo m'pnei yira, lo k'dei lira sh'tova, el osa ha'emes, m'pnei shu emes v'sof ha'tova, lavo b'chlala. U'mala zehi mala g'dola me'od, ain't kol chacham zochala. Again, I'm not going to read it all. Every word of the Rambam is a gem. He had a, an amazing, you know, uh, facility with, uh, with language. Uh, the Rambam is describing here a person who observes Jewish law is loyal to it out of sense of commitment, 
out of a sense of conviction, out of a sense of love. And then he goes on in Halacha Gimel. Ketzad hiya Abba haruuya sheyahav es Abba gedola yaseira azam yod. Again, this is the language of the Rambam. A fierce love, an intense love, which he compares to a romantic relationship, but more. Achete nafsho kshura biabas Hashem. Benimsa shoga batamid. He's constantly thinking about this relationship. Ki ilu chole choli ahava. Sheein daito pnuya mi abas osaisha. And the marshal of Shlomo HaMelech, Ki Cholat Ava Ani, person who is lovesick. And then the Rama goes on to explain the connection to Shira Shirim, which is a um, symbolic metaphor of the love of Klal Yisrael and the Rabboni Shalom. Um, and so on. And he finishes this chapter, which is the culmination of all of Hilchas Tshuva and the culmination of Sefer Mada without mentioning Tshuva at all. Um, this is, uh, you know, Halach above, when the Ramam concludes, um, the way that you love God is to know God, to study his Torah. The more you know, the more you love. Lafikach tzarech adam I'm on page three. Liachid atzmo, three lines down. Lahabin, lahaskil, bechachmo, sutvunos, hamodimlos. Is very, you know, Rambam was a great rationalist. The Rambam felt the more you think philosophically about the Rabbonu Shalom, the more you study his Torah, that engenders greater love. Kifikach sheish badam lahabinu lasig kamosha biarnu vihilchos yisodiato. The last chapter of the Rambam in Hilchos Tshuva, the capstone of Hilchos Tshuva, says nothing about Hilchos Tshuva. It's all about Abbas Hashem. It could have been written, you know, in the context of Kriyashma. But the answer, of course, is that this is how the Rambam interpreted the Gemara in Masechet Yoma. The Rambam read the Gemara in Yoma, which is almost the last word in that Masechta. If Tshuva is concentrated in any single Masechta, you know, it's in the end of Masechet Yoma, of course, parts of Rosh Hashanah, and it's strewn throughout the Shas and the Medrash, but uh, Yoma, of course, and the Mishnah is in the end of Yoma. Ashrechem Yisrael, mi metaheraschem, umifnei mi atem metaharin, famous uh, Mishnayas, and the talk about tshuva. The Ramam read the Gemara in the Mas- end of Masechet Yoma, and he read of the difference between tshuva meyava and tshuva meyira. I, I'm suggest speculating that he too was very disturbed. W- what does it mean that tshuva meyava transforms? Um, zdonos into squios. A person intentionally violated, and then later on, you know, he had an epiphany and he became a different person. You know, he came uh, to understand, you know, how unacceptable that was. Fine, we're, we're all, that's what tshuva is, but it turns into merits. Um, obviously, it doesn't mean, you know, according to anyone, you know, that one should sin in order to have, you know, more merits. Um, that would be cynical, and, and uh, obviously that's not what we're talking about. But even the sincere transformation that that should ha- somehow catapult you to a level of merits, it, it seems like uh, magic. It seems like incantations. And that offended, perhaps, or reading it as is, um, is something that was not Lefi Ruach Harama. But it's what Kazal say. It's in a prominent place. And it needs to be understood. 
It's hard to know always, you know, what came first, the chicken or the egg. In the case of the Rambam, it's particularly hard to know. But what one could say, I believe, is that there is a comprehensive perspective and orientation here. The Rambam chose to put Hilchos Tshuva and Sefer Ma'adam together with Hilchos Yisodiyat Torah and Hilchos Avodah Zara and Hilchos Talmud Torah because the Rambam understood that Tshuva is not just about narrowly neutralizing sin. It's also about that. And if a person sins, he has to address his deficiencies. Otherwise, he is omed bemered. He's continuing his rebellion. However, so much more than that. The sin reflects his priorities in life, his goals, the kind of life that he wants to cultivate. The Rambam understood that Hilchas Tshuva is an opportunity to reassess your spiritual profile and to define what is important to you in life. And for that reason, it doesn't belong narrowly in Hilchas Shkagos or even in Hilchas Yom Kippurim or Hilchas Rosh Hashanah. It belongs in Sefer Mada. Indeed, it's the culmination of Sefer Mada. If a person, even in the context of sin, can cultivate a perspective which is transformative, if he can understand, based on experiencing the distance from the Creator and, and what that means in terms of the emptiness of his own life, um, if he can not only neutralize the impact of his transgression, but he can take the totality of the experience and that sense of alienation um, and it motivates him to identify what is, to crystallize what is really important in his life. In that respect, the tshuva me'ava that he now feels really does have the effect of zdonos, nasos, kiskuyos. It's not hocus pocus. It basically means that at the end of this process, if you fully internalize the implications of what you have done and the opportunity that is given to you to reset and to rebegin, the aggregate benefit is the equivalent of skuyos. So the Rambam wrote that in a way that transcends tshuva as the culmination of Hilchas tshuva. What the Rambam is trying to tell us is that Hilchas tshuva isn't just about chet and tikkun. The chet and the tikkun highlights Sefer Madam, Hilchas Yisodiyat Torah. It's all about Hilchos Deos and Hilchos Talmud Torah. And therefore it's the culmination of Sefer Madam. And just as the Gemara highlights this with Tshuva Me'ava, the Ram says the last chapter of Hilchos Tshuva is really about Avas Hashem. It's about the love of God. Tshuva Me'ava of the Rambam was transformed into the broader principle of Avas Hashem because for the Rambam, Tshuva is an immense opportunity for a person to refashion his religious personality that transcends even the experience of sin and expiation. And as such, it perfectly leads into the next book of the Rambam. What is the next book of the Rambam after Sefer Mada? Sefer Abba, the book of love, where you say, you know, Mahafti Torah Secha, the Rambam has a little, you know, ditty on the top of the next book. Mahafti Torah Secha, Kolayomi Sichasi, and of course he begins with, you know, Hilchos Kriyashma, which is, of course, focused on b'chol abavcha, b'chol nafshcha, b'chol miyodecha, the principle of Abbas Hashem. So the structure and the 
presentation of the Rambam, what he seems to omit but actually expands and projects to a much bigger concept, reflects on Hilchus Tshuva. Let me mention, I think I have about 10 minutes left. Uh, I started with the end. I'm a bit of a contrarian. You know, some of the people in the crowd have, you know, are, are you know, regular uh, at my shiurim. So I, I do that. I sometimes, you know, start backwards. But, um, you know, since we have a, a broader crowd today, we should also say something about the beginning of Hilchus Tshuva and the tone that the Rambam sets from the very outset. So the very beginning of Hilchus Tshuva is one of the most controversial um, lines or presentations of the Rambam. If you look here in Perak Aleph, Hilchos Tshuva, again, this is on page three. I thank Jordan uh, Arbach for putting together the source sheet in a much more organized fashion than I do. Um, you look here at Rambam Hilchos Tshuva Hagdama, Ram says, this is the Koteret, the Rambam always has like a little uh, introduction to each section where he tells you what the mitzvahs are. He says, in Hilchos Tshuva, there's one mitzvah, Vehu, and it is, that when a person does tshuva, when he repents, he should say vidui. He should uh, confess. Already that's very shocking. It's hilchos tshuva. The focal point should be the repentance itself, not the technical vehicle or method that he uses when he repents, namely, he confesses. This is what the Ram also says in Sefer Mitzvos, in his uh, listing of the mitzvos, and Perak Aleph, Halacha Aleph. Kol mitzvos Shabbatorah, the next halacha, bein ase, bein losase, im avar adam alachat mehem, somebody transgresses, bein bezodom, bein mishkaga, kishiyasa tshuva. The Ramam assumes that you are going to make do tshuva. That's not the mitzvah. That's an assumption. Of course you're going to do tshuva. I'll explain why in a moment. Vyashuv mecheto, and you know, in doing tshuva, he repents. That's the assumption. Chayav, chayav is a big word. That's the obligation, that's the mitzvah. The obligation is lihisvados, to confess, lifnei hakel, baruch This phrase, lifnei Hashem, is used ubiquitously by the Rambam in Sefer Mitzvos, in Perishim Shnayos, here in Yad HaKazaka, in this context. The vidui is in the presence of the Rabbana Sholem. Shenemar isho isha ki yasu vihisvadu iskatasam asheratsu, and then the Rambam goes on to explain that bidui isn't just I'm sorry I sinned or, or a statement. It includes state, a feeling of busha, embarrassment, a kabbalah lahaba, accepting that, you know, you'll never do this again, at least in the sincerity of the moment. You know, it's, it's about charata, expressing regret, not, you know, I won't do that because I'm not supposed to. I'm glad I got it out of my system. No, I, I'm mortified. I wish I'd never done it. The Ram has an elaborate concept of vidui. All of the Mepharshim have two problems with the Ram. One is textual. There are Gemaras that make it clear that tshuva, repentance, is a mitzvah. Indeed, we read in this week's, uh, past week's Parsha, the Pasuk in the Torah, ki mitzvah hazos, this mitzvah, lo rechokahi, lo meiver layam, lo bashamayim hi. It's not in heaven, it's not distant, you know, it's accessible, beficho, bevavcha, Lasoso, according to the Ramban in his commentary on the Torah, that's a reference to the mitzvah of tshuva. Of course, tshuva repentance is the obligation. And there are numerous texts. Uh, the Gemara says in Masachat uh, Kiddushin, if a person uh, says, you know, marry me on condition I'm a tzaddik. I guess it happens all the time. So um, <laughs> the Gemara says, even if he's a transgressor, 
the Kedushan might be Chal. Shema hear her b'tshuva. Maybe, you know, he was uh, thinking, you know, I, I'm never going to do that again. So now I'm a tzaddik. Hear her, thinking about it makes you a tzaddik. According to the Ramam, you don't say vidu, vidui. Confession, articulating your sin with all of the busha and the kabat. You need all of that. Many of the mafarshim, the mabit, earlier, the minchaschinuch, much later, everybody jumps on the Rambam. It seems to be that there are, 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 there's ample evidence that tshuva is the mitzvah and vidui is just a detail in that mitzvah. Moreover, just logically, I mean, the Rambam is catapulting, as I said before, Hilchas tshuva. He's creating 10 chapters of Hilchas tshuva with enormous um, effort and rigor that that takes. And, and he's accentuating vidui, the confession, and not the repentance. It's not called Hilchas vidui, it's called Hilchas tshuva. It's just a strange, uh, challenging choice. Moreover, if you look at the Rambam later on, he talks about, uh, in Perik Beis of Hilchas tshuva, very fascinating. Um, the Rambam says that um, two things. Number, he says in Perik Beis, Halachaches, on page four, Habidui shenogub ko Yisrael aval anachnu chatanu kulanu. Um, basically, the Rambam says that the vidui of Yom Kippur, as you say, aval anachnu chatanu, but we sinned. And all the Nosekelem, I have some of them here, the Avodos HaMelech, the Lecha Mishnah, say, didn't he write in chapter one that vidui, confession, is about busha and, and charata and kabbalah lahaba. All of a sudden, it's enough to say, aval anachnu chatanu. There's one place in all of Hilchus Tshuva where the Rambam uses the expression that there's an obligation to do Tshuva as opposed to Vidui. And that is right here in connection with Yom Kippur. The Rambam says that Yom Kippur is a, is a day you know, of enormous opportunity. Um, Yom Kippur is Perik Beis, Salah Hazayin, page 3. Yom Kippur is Muzman Tshuva Lakol Yachin Al-Rabim Uketz Mechila Al-Slicha Al-Yisrael Afikach Chayavim Hakol Lasos Tshuva Everybody's obligated to do tshuva. Again, it's very easy to miss. But in all of Hilchus tshuva, the only time the Rambam speaks about an obligation to do tshuva is Yom Kippur, the same group of halachos where he seems to downplay vidui. So once again, there's a puzzle. The Rambam begins Hilchus tshuva, this magnificent creation of his, based on Chazal, but that he's organizing and therefore catapulting in importance, by seemingly trivializing tshuva and focusing on the vehicle, the method, the bidui. And that's problematic textually, that's problematic logically. And then there's also an exception. When it comes to Yom Kippur, the day of tshuva, Kate's mechila slicha l'ko Yisrael, all of a sudden, vidui is minimized and the obligation of tshuva is mentioned for the first time. What's going on? But the answer, once again, <coughs> requires us to take a step back and to appreciate what the Rambam is telling us. The Rambam understood that tshuva, to neutralize chataim, sins, that's not an obligation. That is a fact. That's self-evident. If a person, um, you know, insults, you know, the king, if he rebels against him, he, he has to make that right. He has to restore that relationship. That's not an obligation, that's not an imperative. You don't need psukim to teach you that. If especially if the purpose of life 
is the relationship that you have, you know, with the Melech, Malche Amlachim, with the sovereign, with the Ramona Shalom, with the creator, then obviously if you've insulted him or, or behaved in an egregious fashion, you need to neutralize that. <clears throat> That's not, you know, particularly innovative. However, the obligation of tshuva for members of Klal Yisrael goes well beyond that. Because remember, the Rambam located Hilchos Tshuva in Sefer Magla as the culmination. What begins with Yesodei HaTorah, the philosophical principles of faith, culminates with Avas Hashem in Tshuva. Because, precisely, the Rambam understood that Tshuva isn't only about neutralizing our Averos, it's about refashioning our relationship with the Rabboni Shalom, taking a different direction, transcending sin to elevate our spiritual commitment. So the Rambam says, you know what? Tshuva's a given. Kishe yashuv That's not the mitzvah. That is simply ABC. That's definitional. However, the way that... <coughs> excuse me. The way that we implement the tshuva reflects precisely that it's an opportunity to transcend sin and to elevate ourselves way beyond where we were. Chazal say, and this is related to tshuva me'ava nasas kishuyos as well, the makom shabale tshuva omdim, you know, where people who repent sincerely stand, ain sadikim gemurim mecholim lavo. Meaning, of course, it would be cynical to sin in order to be a bal tshuva or to get the merits of tshuva me'ava. That obviously is, is, is absurd, obscene. But if a person does find himself in a situation, we all do, where we've behaved improperly, to know that it's not sufficient that we restore the relationship, but we use it as an opportunity to understand what that alienation is all about and, and resolve with great conviction never to be in that place again, that's what tshuva is. That's the tshuva, which is tshuva me'ava. That's the tshuva that is in Sefer Mada. And that's the tshuva that leads to Sefer Ava of Hilchos Kriyashma. So the Rambam says that's all captured by the way that we do tshuva. Because when a person confesses, he doesn't just, you know, it's not just lip service. It's not saying, I did this, I did that, Hashem, Nubagadnu, Alchet. It has to be with a deep understanding of the implication of the words that he's saying. If a person can truly be regretful, if a person can say, again, with conviction, I'm not going back to that place, it doesn't matter. He might end up. At the moment, he's resolved sincerely. That reflects a certain deep transformation in himself. The Rambam in another place speaks about dark tshuva as a any osa isha osa osamamasim mishana shmo. A person becomes a different identity. Not that he denies his past, but he, even those parts of his past that he's less proud of become an opportunity for him going forward to intensify his commitment. And therefore, the first words of Hilchas Tshuva, the Rambam's famous formulation of Bidui, in a way, express the aspiration or the ambition of Tshuva and highlight that Tshuva is, of course, about Chet, but it's about so much more than Chet as well. So Perak Aleph Halacha Aleph and Perak Yud, the culmination of Hilchus Tshuva, through structure and through 
uh, a deep understanding of all Chazal, the Rambam was magnificently able to project a perspective on tshuva that is truly inspirational um, and aspirational as well. I want to wish everybody a ksiva v'chsima tova. We should be, um, you know, uh, inspired by and capitalize on the opportunity of tshuva, which is a remarkable institution. And we should, um, you know, have great appreciation, you know, for the Rambam, you know, who um, immeasurably um, enhanced our understanding of what tshuva is and what tshuva can be in a way that is totally relevant and impactful um, and remains so. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Rebbe. As always, illuminating and inspiring. We're going to take a very short break before we have the privilege of hearing from Professor Rosenzweig. Uh, just one quick reminder. The uh, museum exhibit, the tour that will be following with Rosenzweig Shear and a short Q&A with both Rabbi Doctor and Professor Rosenzweig, um, there's no food or drink allowed inside the exhibit, no water bottles or any food or drink of any kind. Um, so just keep that in mind as you take your short break now and as we continue on to the second half of our program. And one other quick reminder, this event is uh, part of a weekend that is celebrating the publication of Rabbi Dr. Rosenzweig's first Sefer, which we have for sale just outside this doorway uh, on the table to my left, to your right. Uh, and we invite everybody to come and take a look at the new Sefer. It's an incredibly exciting uh, event and culmination of many months and, and, quite frankly, years of work to put together Rebbe's work in writing. Uh, so everyone should please come and take a look at the table and have the opportunity to bring home a copy of Rosenzweig's first published Sefer.